Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you're brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, so we hope you come along with us for that journey. This week we actually got a sneak peek or a planned Reddit post peek by Nikita into the development plan for 2021. And there is some seriously spicy stuff on that list. So we want to talk about that. And we want to talk about some of the things you might want to be working on now to prepare for some of those upcoming changes. So it's hideout keeping time. And I just got to (laughs) say, saying the words hideout keeping this week, um, major nightmare flashbacks. I I was playing with a friend of mine uh, over the weekend that I don't get to play with very often. And we got some runs in. We were doing some factory. We're working on getting them some experience. Discord streams are an incredible thing. They're an amazing thing for Tarkov. But I've realized, and this is part confession, part horror story, but due to my caseaholic nature, I have started to really judge people's stash situations. Not not necessarily the value of them at all. I don't care about that. But when I see organization or the lack thereof when it comes up on discord (laughs) sometimes i just start laughing and i'm like what is that what is going on in your stash and this one is bad you guys we're talking like five backpack stacks could have been easily taken down to two okay easily down to two there was four usec hats in there you i four barter items everywhere so Rather than announce a whole bunch of stuff, I just wanted to say, this is a friendly reminder. That's a great thing to do while listening to the show. Clean up your stash. Organize it. Very least, push that organize button that Battlestate has so graciously included in the game that I have still been too scared to push because I feel like it's going to delete all my gears. But you can push it. (laughs) But seriously, clean it up, okay? And to be really clear, this was not Ronald's stash. We play together as often as we can. This is not Ronald Stash. But um, dare I ask, sir, how are you doing? And how's your stash? <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, my stash is just hot garbage at the moment. <laughs> it is because I don't have any cases yet because I'm still right around level 30 or 31 right now. But I'm looking forward to getting those first cases. And this wipe, uh, you've sold me on the cases. I'm going to be getting a couple extra cases and lots of scabbing and lots of losing gear. So it's kind of weird because I go through this period of dying a bunch in my PMC and it's empty, right? And then I run a day's worth of scav runs and all of a sudden I don't have any space left. It's this kind of not normal ebb and flow of stash space. (laughs) But overall, I would say my stash management has actually gotten a little better. So I'm I'm using more cases. Uh, that would be things like scav cases, a couple of those, grenade cases, med cases, ammo boxes, more of that organization than I probably ever have before, which actually is proving to be uh, pretty useful in gearing up quicker. So anyways, all of that aside, 
the best way to uh, get in touch with me is always in Discord. So if you want to ask me questions about what's going on with your stash or how I'm using mine, tag me in a message in, in Discord. Or if you have questions about your PC or if you want to talk about the show or a story about how you've been playing the game, anything. We love talking to people in the community. Send me a DM or tag me in a message in one of the chat channels and we'll see it and we'll get back to you and love chatting. Other than that, you can follow me on the Twitters at Rhino Gaming, as always. And a couple times a week, I hang out in MTB's Twitch stream. So he streams in the afternoons most days, and we're hanging out there talking about games and whatever, food, kind of crazy stuff. It's just a good time. And if you have something more formal you'd like to get to us, the business contact for XP Media is xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And that covers any one of the shows that we're doing the Expo included, but also Winner Winner and everything else that we have going on at XP Media. And support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use code XFIL for 20% off and free shipping. It is the best in men's grooming hardware and product at Manscaped.com. Code XFIL, 20% off and free shipping. Other ways to support the show rather than just using the codes with our sponsors, share it with a friend. You guys do amazing at this. Number one thing you can do to help us out is, you know, getting a link to a show that you particularly like or just letting somebody know that we exist. Letting them know the Xfil podcast name is an amazing, amazing thing you can do to help us out. Another thing you can do, and this is tied to a minor update that you may have noticed in Discord. A lot of our Sherpas that we used to talk about early on in the show, while many of them still play Tarkov, uh, some of them have moved on, some of them play solo. Some of them did a lot of helping and don't do a whole lot of helping anymore. And it's something that we decided to remove the role in Discord. And there's really a bigger reason just than the people that wanted to be Sherpas. And we had a lot of people reach out to do it. But what we have found is that people that need help have gotten a tremendous amount of support through the general chat in Discord. Additionally, there has been a phenomenal support of people who go into the looking for group and they'll often get picked up and helped out there. We see groups forming all the time for task help or for specific map, just knowledge and running. So don't be shy. Go into those LFG or looking for group channels because that's where we see that happening. Um, If we continue to grow, it may be something we look at putting some more formal touches around again. It was kind of an informal program, the Sherpa one, and we'll consider it in the future. But for right now, the community does a phenomenal job at supporting new members, new players to the game. And that's kind of the way we'd like it to go, but it could be something we we circle back to. So all that said, Patreon, if you are noticing there's now a supporter thing highlighted in Discord, that's what replaced the Sherpas. We now show the Patreon supporters up on the top of Discord there. So that's a little change. Uh, But you can also support there as low as a dollar a month to support XP Media. And we also have Prime Gaming, aka Twitch Prime sub activated on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash MTB Trigger. We are all over social media. Ronald mentioned our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now. And we've got guides, tips and tricks, uh, other games we talk about. But we actually just put up quite a few pvp guides we've got a few more coming we've got some factory raid walkthroughs we could look back and say that the timing of that stuff was really good but i'd be lying to you if i said that was the case but some of the stuff we're going to talk about later on the show 
Uh, we're going to talk about these guides a lot because I think they're going to become really important in the very near future. So lastly, if you're looking for me, uh, you can find me on Twitch. You can find me on Twitter and Discord, all under the tag MTB Trigger, and the specific links are always in the show notes. But hideout keeping complete, horror story complete. It is time. Let's get into it, man. How was uh, how was your week in Tarkov this week? This week was pretty good. We pushed and I was able to get to level 30, which, you know, for me is a pretty good achievement. I usually ended up in the last two wipes we played in, in the 30s. I, I had never made it to 40, but I was able to get to level 30 now, like only a month into this wipe. And I'm pretty excited about that because it starts to unlock all the good things in the hideout at level 30, starts to ease some of the pressure off my economy and funding my dying and <laughs> getting better at PvP. and. It's been really interesting to push tasks because a lot of the tasks that are based upon going to a certain place to find something and then getting that and turning it in, I've been able to get those tasks done this way quite a bit easier than I ever have. And that's just a normal progression in the game. I've had some trouble and struggled through some of the more PvP oriented tasks. Because of that, I've been intentionally trying to get better at close quarters PvP. And you know, it comes naturally to some people and some people avoid it completely. And I'm kind of in the middle where I'm just trying to get better at it. This wipe has been kind of an extension, but a pause on what I was trying to do last wipe right at the end when I was going to spend 50 million <laughs> trying to get better at PvP, close quarters PvP that is. And then of course, Battlestate went and reset the game on me so that I had to get back to this point to kind of push that skill set along. But I would say it is going well. And I want to highlight one quick story this week on customs. I had probably the most interesting and best solo customs run I've ever had. I've got the task right now where I have to kill 25 scavs for two different proper tasks, one with just 25 scavs and one with the AK-74U. So I went into customs, middle of the day, kind of held the middle of the construction area on the two-story building there. And I just sat there for a half hour and killed scavs as they spawned or player scavs as they crossed through. Picked up one PMC kill uh, with a grenade in a bush, which was really entertaining. And basically, it was really interesting to lock down an area and, and really do that intentionally. I've had some success, but I mean, that's not something that I can just go do every single time. You know, it's like, it's not something that just comes so easy that whatever map I go in, I just dominate. And in the past, I would have been a player that would really would have never had a chance at doing that. But I feel good about getting to the point where I was able to do that. And progression in Tarkov is something that really does feel good. And if you're out there and you're like me, where it's like, wow, every now and then you have moments of greatness and then 90% total dumpster fire, basically my Tarkov experience, hang in there. I'm, I'm hoping to join that 20% moments of greatness and then 80% dumpster fire. So it was a good week as far as PvP progression and just being able to take care of some close quarters things. So that was a little long-winded, but I was pretty excited about that. That's awesome. I've been back in my lair. I have picked up my factory love and started back in, whether I'm playing solo or just picking up a raid here and there, I've been in factory a lot. We played a lot of factory together uh, just to play factory together because it's fun. We enjoy it. So we did that. That's who I was helping out over the weekend. My buddy with the horrible stash, he knows who he is. He's going to hear this and he's going to know who he is. There's no one to blame but him. It's it's haunting me. I mean, we're talking like three days ago. I saw this thing still in my mind. 
But speaking of progression, I have, I wouldn't say I hit a wall in progression. I am at the end of most of the task lines. I'm looking at setup, looking at Shooter Born in Heaven. I'm looking at the scav bosses or the majority of them. Basically, those final kind of tasks with each of the traders. And I'm level 43 or so, so I've got just about everything unlocked. I'm just not super motivated right now to finish and get Kappa. I'm going to get it, but I'm not pushing and grinding for it. I've gone back to kind of my normal grind, which is to get as many cases and to get my stash set up the best way I possibly can. So my case update for this week, my progression, basically how many cases I have, is uh, is looking really good. I bought my second thick items case. So I got the one from the therapist task a couple weeks ago. And then this week I had enough moonshine that all I had to do was buy the whiskey. So I have a second thick items case. And then I was looking at doing the trade for bitcoins for a thick weapons case, but I hadn't looked at what that trade was this wipe. And I was saving up bitcoins because last wipe it was 38 bitcoins. But since you only produce three Bitcoins a day, and I say only, you only produce three Bitcoins a day with a maxed out Bitcoin farm, it used to be five. Last wipe, it was five Bitcoins. And I didn't even think to look at the trades related to Bitcoin that may have been adjusted as a result of the decrease in Bitcoin frequency. So I was saving up all these Bitcoins to save 38 for the thick weapons case. So I had a pile of these, and then when I went to look, it's actually 20 Bitcoins and 20 GP coins, which is significantly cheaper than what it's been in the past. So at the time, the price of Bitcoins made it way cheaper to actually sell the Bitcoins to Therapist, and then I was able to pick up a Thick Weapons case for 6.8 million, and then I still had like 2 million left over from all the Bitcoins that I had. I didn't have all 38 yet, but it was actually a really neat deal uh, to be able to do that. So I've got my two thick weapons, my two thick items, and for me, that's really important. For those that recall last wipe, I ended up with, I think I had 10 or 11 thick weapons cases, mag boxes, and ammo cases all sectioned out by caliber. And I really, really liked that. So I'm going to be doing that again over time. And this was a, a healthy and, well, maybe not healthy, but it was a step in the direction of accomplishing that goal. So that was most of my week was just kind of farming, playing factory, working on strategies there, playing with other people, working on strategies there. And then, uh, yeah working on uh, economy. It's been great. So yeah, it sounds like we both had pretty good weeks in the game, but let's uh, let's jump into this thing. You know, we've we've spent a few weeks talking about changes that have taken place and how they've affected the game. So even last week, you know, we spent basically the entire episode talking about features we'd like to see, right? The achievement system that we talked about or something that we believe would solve one of the big problems out there for all play styles uh, that's currently in the game, the way that other games use to solve that as well. And this week, you know, actually it was at the end of last week when we heard this after we had recorded the episode, we got an update about the dev plans and what's coming soon. It wasn't clear if this was a 2021 roadmap, if it was stuff that they're looking at doing in the first quarter. It seems like the list was pretty achievable in a shorter amount of time than what we sometimes hear from Battlestate. 
You know, they threw in the continuing to work on Streets of Tarkov, but as we work through this list on the stuff that they just recently accomplished and then the things that they're looking forward to doing, I think we could see a lot of this pretty quick. So let's jump right into here. We'll just kind of work through these points. We'll start with the things that we're going to look back at. So in this post that was posted to Reddit by Nikita, I said that there had been a significant enough player count increase that they needed to replace several servers with more powerful ones and specifically mentioned the backend computers in this post. So this was really interesting to me that they pointed this out, <laughs> you know? I don't think there would be any benefit to them saying that more people are playing the game. They used that to also explain that they replaced a bunch of servers with more powerful ones. You know, and this is a really interesting one because some camps of people I'm seeing say that desync is worse than it's ever been. They're having problems with the back end and they're losing items during barters and crafts and things like that. And then other people are saying the game is in the best shape it's been, and they think that some of their servers were replaced because it's running really stable. So have you noticed any difference in the last few weeks on servers? I really haven't. It's about the same, and I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just normal Tarkov to me. I have manually selected like the top four servers that are under 50 ping, basically, from me. And those are the only four servers I play on. And I really don't have any trouble with that, you know, particular setup. I got away from using the automatic server finder because that seems to put me in places that are farther away sometimes. Maybe they're doing it on purpose to balance community load or something. But I did notice a significant inconsistent game experience on automatic versus now it's pretty stable running on just the four that I have selected. How about you? Yeah, I was on auto select for well over a year. I just made the switch a week and a half ago for the first time. You know, so if somebody invited me and I was playing with them and they were on their servers selected, then I had no idea. But for 98 plus percent of the time I've played this game, I was on auto select, but I had started noticing the same thing. I was regularly being placed in higher ping servers and I was disconnecting a bit. So I think I even mentioned it last episode that I did finally go in and select the servers. And I think I have five selected that are under 70 ping. 70 was the cutoff for me. I don't have any reason for selecting 70. That's just the number I chose to draw a line somewhere. It seems to be really good. I haven't had disconnect issues. Um, I have experienced a couple of deaths that were pretty heavy on the desync, and that's something that's relatively new for me. I've experienced minor desync issues, but for the first time this week, I actually had a desync issue where I shot and I went to reload the gun and I was shooting at a scav. This was super unfortunate, actually. But I was shooting at a scav, had to reload. The scav moved left, and I was in the breezeway in office. The scav was in the office hallway on factory. Scav moves left. I shot. Didn't go down. And I just had a couple bullets left, and I knew that. I run forward after reloading, come around the corner to shoot. And I actually have this recorded, and the gun doesn't shoot. My PMC's hand is like halfway in the reload motion. And the gun's at an awkward angle. So then I backed off, hit reload. It doesn't reload. Open my inventory, try to make sure I had, you know, extra magazines in my vest. I did. Tried to manually drag the magazine out of the gun. That didn't work. Tried to drop the gun. That didn't work. Tried to drop my weapon or switch weapons. None of that worked. 
So then I ran down those metal stairs and hid for a minute, and then a scav respawn happened. And I ended up coming face to face with a guy with looked like a completely naked scav. It was a player scav and he had a PM pistol. And I just had to stand there and look at him while he shot me and took <laughs> my x helmet, my class five armor. It was an Ash 12 suppressed <laughs> that I was using. It was a brutal experience, but that's the worst one I've ever had. And then, like I said, we're talking, I can count on one hand the number of deaths where I've gotten shot and then, you know, took a couple of steps and then the shot registered. Um, One of those happened while Ronald and I were playing. He ended up protecting my body uh, from two PMCs, actually. Unfortunately, he couldn't get the loot and get out, but I got all of that back in insurance the next day. But yeah, I, I haven't experienced a ton, but it is there. And it's not something I really noticed in the past. The gamer in me says, man, it kind of stinks when desync happens. But from a business perspective, I look at it and say, hey, if they're having server problems or server load problems, that means the game is doing well. The player population is healthy. And that's probably a good thing. One of the things that I've noticed, and this is kind of a tip for people who are experiencing random client issues and you can't seem to figure out why, try this. This is something that I've noticed with the Tarkov client. If you click around in the interface, if you go from character to hideout to the trader screen back and forth, you keep going and keep going, keep going, and you never hit the back button. If you do this intentionally, say you click around to 10, 12 screens, and then you stop, and then you just hit the back button, you'll notice it'll go to every screen that you are on, and you keep going, 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 and then it gets back to the beginning and stops. It's like a chain of screens. And what I've noticed is that my RAM usage goes up as I click on more and more screens without going back. So I have just kind of quite intentionally got into the habit of before I go into a raid, I use the back button to get all the way back to the main menu screen. And then I go into a raid. And it's a little thing that has to do with the way that Unity works. I did some research on it and it's really not that complicated. It's just the way that Unity works and uses memory. But on a very non-technical, basic gamer level, if you just Try getting back to the main menu first and then getting into the game from there, getting into your PMC from there and see if that helps. Because I have had no client issues since I've started doing that. And I really think that there's something to that. And I don't have any like I don't have any like large amount of data sets to prove that, but it could be something to try. Nice. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I notice is with all of the additional hideout crafts, when you click into things like the workbench, which now, once you level that up, has a tremendous amount of crafts, there's just a lot more time getting in there, scrolling around, and if you're you know, going to see what you can craft or what you need to craft, and then you go to the flea market to buy what you need, and then you have to click back in and then scroll down again, get the next item, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It can add a lot of time to your out game, and I think that's why it's being noticed is it used to not be that many items in the hideout that could be crafted, but they have significantly bulked up crafts. And I think that may be why it's getting noticed more and more. But that's actually a great tip. I uh, I hit the back button all the time, but I don't go all the way to the main menu. So I'll start trying that and see if that helps as well. The next thing that they talked about is since the beginning of 2021, which is like 32 days at the time of recording, uh, they've banned over 40,000 cheaters. Which is crazy. But it is encouraging that they have new technology, obviously, in place to catch the cheaters. You know, everyone says, well, fix your game so that people can't cheat. 
I don't know how realistic that is, honestly. I will say that it is encouraging that they are banning large numbers of cheaters. It's interesting because there are a lot of, I would say 99% of the times that I die in a PMC raid, it's because I did something stupid or just outplayed, right? But I have noticed, I would say one time this wipe where I was like, there's just no way. And you know, and, and kind of gone over it. And it was in Shoreline and it was a really interesting situation. And it just never happened to me on Shoreline the way that that happened. And so I just, I think that there are cheaters, but I do feel like the number of cheaters maybe are down. Now, full disclaimer, I don't play labs. And my understanding is that that's where all the cheaters are. So because of that, my opinion is probably a little bit skewed, but I do think that they are doing a good job with cheaters. What do you think? Yeah, I have ran into a handful. There was one that I know for sure on Shoreline was because I was running basically loot runs trying to get ophthalmoscopes with a couple people. And we got God Spawn on the east side of the map. And we hit an SJ6, ran all the way into East Wing from the closest spawn. And when we got there, somebody was already there waiting for us, knowing exactly where we came from. Basically diced us up and just uh, took us all out with a couple headshots. So that one was the one that I know for sure. And then I don't play labs a lot either. I've ventured in a couple times recently, but I have heard from people that uh, are playing on labs and are looking at playing on labs to swipe that unfortunately that is where the problem continues to exist. That's where a lot of the big names go. That's where a lot of the big streamers and YouTube creators go. And I think that's probably what attracts a lot of this. So unfortunately, yeah, I think labs is still an issue. You kind of said it. I don't know that any game is going to ever get rid of this problem. And I think when you take a super aggressive stance against it, and as often as we were getting updates in like the middle of last year from like July to September, it got bad. It got really bad. You know, I was just on Twitter today kind of scrolling and I saw Warzone just put a tweet out like this. They banned a boatload of accounts and all the comments are like, okay, great. You got 600,000. There's still 2.4 million cheating accounts, right? This is not unique to Tarkov until the gaming industry decides to take some major encryption levels, which is going to cause things on the client end as well, from my understanding. There's no way they can go deep enough into the hardware and software to completely prevent it from packets being sniffed out and things like that, which, again, privacy issues and stuff like that. It's going to be something that we deal with, all of us who like FPS games. And frankly, it happens in all games. I mean, you and I both know there's cheaters in World of Warcraft. While Classic was plagued on some servers by it, I'm sitting here thinking about what games wouldn't have it. It hurts to think that someone would cheat at Hearthstone, but I'm sure they do somehow, some way, you know, something's out there. But yeah, it hasn't affected me a ton, but it's, again, it's like desync. It happens from time to time. Yep, absolutely. And it's just part of the experience overall, and it is what it is. It's very frustrating in the moment, but thankfully you can move on past it and just move on to the next raid. Yeah. Uh, so other things that we've talked about, and we won't go over all of them again, uh, they talked about the many balancing changes. They talked about the economy, weapon mods, decrease in camera recoil, all the crafting changes, etc. Um, there's been some unique things happening in game as a result of this. Uh, one in particular, which I'm not even sure is a intended result or not. But if you've noticed that you've been losing stamina when you take a shot, uh, specifically when you don't have painkillers, I've noticed this, that if you get shot a couple times, 
uh, you lose a significant amount of stamina. And from a realism aspect, this totally makes sense. From a how the game has been and how it is now, it is a weird change, man. It is brutal, actually. I'm not sure if it's intended or not, or just a result of some all of these changes and some of the coding, but that's happening right now. Again, a lot of the ergonomics and stuff has changed, right? Anybody who's using thermals right now, you've probably noticed that you can hold your gun up for like three seconds and then you're out of stamina. So lots of changes coming and they've said more balancing changes to come. I actually really support some of these changes. I think as annoying as they are, it makes it a little bit more, I don't know, competitive, I guess would be the way that I would say it. You don't just sit around a corner or sit in some spot and crouch and hold an angle ADS, you know, for 15 minutes, right? It hurts certain play styles and it buffs others. I have found that I, you know, was the person who played really slow and was the person who played very passively and it hurt my play style initially, but it also kind of helped me learn how to play a little bit differently and get a little better at the game. So it was rough and it, it continues to be rough at times, but I do kind of appreciate it in a way too, if that kind of makes sense. It does. I, I think it probably makes more sense from, you know, defining what you're trying to get better at, right? Because I, I don't want that to be oversimplified to you played passive and getting it good at the game is playing aggressive, because I don't believe that. Because for me, these changes have caused me to slow down a little bit. Um, I can't aggressively get to a spot and then hold an angle, because if I do that, and then the ADS noise happens and someone's nearby, it gives away my position. So I've had to actively think about when to ADS, when not to ADS. It's changed some of the strategy for... Uh, some of the areas I like to go, Interchange in particular, you hear a lot more noise in the middle of the mall because people like to hold angles in the middle of the mall, but you can't hold them indefinitely anymore. And the same is true on Factory. I would expect to see as these continue to happen, if they continue to make ergonomics reduced, which seems to be the overall trend. They made things a lot harder to maintain as far as stamina goes. Um, I think we'll see a lot more prone positions found you know, good spots to prone because you have so much more arm stamina there. I think we'll find additional spots where, you know, you can expect people to be holding closer angles so that they can point fire or hip fire you. And that's just going to be kind of a nudge in a different direction. So I agree. They called it a balancing change. And I like that. They are balancing weapon holding and ergonomics and how much you can carry, some of the other things that we're going to talk about in a minute suggest that they are testing things out to see what will work the best. And I actually really, really like that. I do too. I mean, they're going to obviously figure out where the balance is and maybe they've gone too far in one direction and that's entirely possible. But overall, I do think it is interesting. It makes the game a little bit more interesting it kind of mixes up a lot of different play styles. At least for the way they're doing it right now, I found it to be a bit more engaging. I would say that I've enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, speaking of engagement, this next one is something that I think the entire community engaged with, whether you had positive or negative feelings attached to it. The language that Nikita used around this specific point speaks to what we've been talking about for a while. They are working on developing things that are dynamic, that are persistent, that can change. 
And the words that he used were they tested a fuel shortage scenario to get info for dynamic events. And I think everybody felt the effects of the fuel shortage crisis or whatever it's going to be called. But the fact that they're working on it, not just to say, hey, fuel's going to be more scarce. Here's how the game's going to be. That was a scenario. That was an intentional, specific event that they created to test for future events for something they called dynamic events. But how cool is it to think that based on our perception in game, we can say, oh my gosh, I think fuel is on a shortage. I need to change my play style or stock up or whatever. That is a fantastic and exciting development that I haven't seen them talk about that before. Maybe they did years ago, but in the last year for sure, this is the first thing to me that's pointing to a development that I really like, or I just really like what's driving what we're seeing in game right now, because dynamic events, things that are perceivable by the entire population of the game, so much so that we spent like half an episode on it. How cool is that? I mean, I'm just pumped about this. This is great. Yeah, I can't wait for however this is going to develop to start to play out because if, you know, half of the rumors are true that we'll have a persistent PMC and a seasonal PMC and maybe they'll create different game modes for that, I think that makes Tarkov have longevity that is incredible because the people who play a lot can be in the uh, seasonal mode. They can, you know, get reset, you know, once they get bored with it every couple of weeks or a couple of months or however long it takes for them to whatever. And the people who can't play a lot can play their persistent PMC and not lose that progress and just chip away at the iceberg that is Tarkov over time. I love the talk about this and get excited about it because I think that the game could be so much bigger if there was if there was a mode like that, it, like some kind of a persistent mode. And in order to pull that off, they're going to have to have some kind of dynamic world that interacts and ebbs and flows and changes with the amount of people using it. The fact that they are testing things like this and were able to admit that they were testing it or tell us they were testing it, actually, I think is really cool because there's obviously development going into these areas. And uh, I'm personally very excited for what comes out of it. I agree. And from so many aspects, but I'll limit it to two. Uh, one is this would be like a world event, the way that I would look at it, right? This is a a world scenario where fuel shortage happened and they could do this in so many different ways. You know, it could be an ammo shortage, right? They could say all of a sudden something happens and you know, five, five, six by four, five is now in crisis mode. There's no more shipments. A supplier went out. And so now the traders are paying a fortune for that ammo. So it's going to make players think, okay, well, if I have the ammo, I can sell it and make a lot of money. But then that's going to force me out of using the HK, the M4, the ADAR, because I'm not going to be able to buy it. Maybe the traders aren't selling the ammo. Maybe the crafts go away. That's another way that these dynamic events could be used on a world scenario. And I love that. The other thing that gets me excited is when they're testing scenarios, they could also do this on maps. What if they said, hey, uh, you know, Sherman got mad at Sanitar and ventured through the woods onto shoreline. And there's a possibility that one in 10 raids, they might both be on the map and guess what? They're hostile. <laughs> right? I mean, they could do so much stuff with a dynamic world and scenarios 
that again, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to release a patch saying, hey, it's Sherman versus Sanitar week. No, they just turn that knob and they create that scenario. And there's going to be videos posted about it. There's going to be people posting on Reddit or on YouTube and saying, um, I killed Sherman and Sanitar, or I ran up on both of them dead in the middle of the woods and they killed each other. I mean, they could do so much cool stuff with scenarios and these world events that this is great. This to me is the start of something that could be amazing. Yep. And they've talked about using Streets of Tarkov to test so many different types of events or different types of gameplay interaction with the world. Who knows? I mean, we don't have any confirmed anything other than they're just starting to talk about this and they acknowledged really for the first time this concept of dynamic events that affect all different areas in the world. So who knows what the future will be for Tarkov, but this was a lot of fun to participate in because it was interesting how all of the PvP shifted to Ali on Interchange when people needed to get gas. No doubt. It changed Interchange. I mean, it's still different now. I had an insane survival rate as my scav on Interchange, and it was reduced significantly during this event. And I think that's great. It made me play differently. It made me think differently. I checked every shelf everywhere that I knew fuel spawn on that map trying to find fuel. And for probably the better part of a week, I didn't find a single gas can on the map on my PMC or my scav. I think that's great. I think it's cool. It sucked when I needed gas, but it was a really neat thing to look back on. Yeah. And one of the things that I super appreciated about it was while everyone was fighting at Ali, I got to know the middle of the mall. So I took full advantage of scaving and I learned the middle of the mall. And now I can make my way through the middle of the mall and scav. And it really is the first time that I know where I'm going. I really appreciate that now. And depending on where the action is interchange, I just can figure out how to get out of there nine times out of 10 on my scav and be full. So the dynamic world events can change the way that you strategize on the map. If you want to run towards PvP, you kind of have an idea where it's going to happen. If you need money and you need to get out and you want to raise your chances of getting out, well then don't go towards the PvP. Go find the stuff around the edges and get out with a bag full of loot that you can sell or whatever to earn some money so that you can run towards PvP next time. And I just think that The strategy on the maps is something that I really enjoy. Like if I have an objective, I like to think about how I'm going to get there before I get into the map. And the way that the player base shifted during this particular event and test really makes me excited for how the maps could be played differently. Going into this next iteration of Tarkov, I really hope they do more of this. I actually love what you said there about using that event to learn the middle of the mall. And I think that's something that I want to dig into, especially on the factory announcement that came from Nikita. And I'll just plant the seed now. We'll get to that in a minute. But the concept of using what is coming to learn something or what's happening in game right now to learn something while maybe other people aren't doing the same thing, I think is a really, really good piece of advice that you just gave. So I want to dig into that when we get to the factory point. But let's let's move into the looking forward, right? So he also wrote that they are now working on the 12.10, 12.1. I guess I don't know exactly how they line up their patches because I called the last one, I think, 12.9. So 12.10, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> next patch. They're working on the next patch. It's going to be full of quality of life, optimizations, AI fixes, 
and they're calling this a medium feature patch. So they're saying that small patches are coming along the way. We don't know when these medium features are coming. They've said that in the next Tarkov TV Live, we'll get more info on when and how. But they've got AI fixes, you know, next button bugs going to be fixed. They're going to be working on lag, desync, disconnects, audio, sound fixes. And then the last thing they kind of mentioned was uh, regarding the smaller patches was moving to Unity 2019. This is something that he specifically mentioned that they have room for optimization, more visual features. And additionally, they're going to be working on back-end infrastructure specifically. They're working on the ballistics of all objects, and they specifically outline penetration, ricochet chance, and colliders. So lots coming in the small patches and then the medium feature patch of 12.1.12.10, 12.1, whatever, something. Generally speaking, it's 12.1. Wasn't the last one 12.9, though? (laughs) Yep. So in in gamer terms, it's just going to be 12.10. But in programming terms, it would be 12.1. But I think one of the interesting things, like I just wanted to not skip over this for a second and get your opinion on ricochet chance. Because one of the most frustrating things for me personally is ricochet chance on a helmet. Like sometimes I'm wearing an an army helmet and I get two bullets ricocheted. And other times I've got a helmet with a face shield and I die. It's like... I know that this has been discussed and debated exhaustingly in the Xfil Discord over whether or not helmets actually matter in Tarkov. And one of the, my favorite comments, and I don't remember who it was, so I can't credit it properly and I apologize to this person, but they said that basically having just a sock on your head was just as good as a chance of living. <laughs> and I, you know, it's it's really interesting. I don't know if it quite goes that far, but, but ricochet chance to me is something I, I just wanted to at least talk about for a minute. I love that you brought this up. I feel like we're just plugging a bunch of YouTube videos today, which, hey, guess what? We put a bunch of guide videos up. Go check them out. YouTube.com forward slash XP media. Now I'm going to plug another one. And the reason that I so I was convinced about uh, helmets and face shields uh, in the middle of the last wipe when I started wearing X-Fills all the time, you know, ears, X-Fill helmet, face shield. Now, each piece of the helmet Right. For those of you that haven't dug into all of the armor and how penetration works and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, there's a number of different spots. And whether it's a, you know, like an Alton helmet or an Xfil or whatever, they all have different protection areas. And oftentimes those protection areas have different armor class levels and some of them have ricochet chance. So a face shield, for example, doesn't necessarily have anything other than a low armor tier. They're not designed to stop high penetration ammo. So it can be really frustrating when you spend 200,000 rubles on a helmet and you get one tapped through the face shield with somebody who hits a well-placed Glock headshot with 7N31. The other side is it can feel like you get, you know, your head, nape, ears, whatever shot by the same ammo and that person shot high tier ammo and it penetrated the helmet and killed you. The reason I brought up that video or joked about us plugging a bunch of videos is I recently did a analysis, and it's a funny one, of me re-peaking a fight and got punished for it. But one of the things that as I've gone through my game footage, and I've recommended this before, I'll recommend it again. If you record your gameplay 
and you record it at a high bit rate, at the highest bit rate you can, and you record it at a high frame rate, you can go back and go frame by frame. I use VLC, which is a free media player to do that. And I've gone back and watched some fights that I thought I knew what happened, but I really wanted to know. And I'll tell you this, in the video that I went over that's up on YouTube, for one, you can see how bad my aim was in this particular scenario. You can see a couple bullets that ricochet. But I've analyzed a couple other videos, specifically one fight where I came out of the forklift spawn and I was fighting a guy down glass hallway. And I can tell you, I watched it in slow motion and no joke, I ricocheted four bullets off the top of his helmet. I could not believe this guy didn't die. But when you watch it in slow motion frame by frame, you can actually see the contact point and the little spark on the helmet from each of the shots. So when I went back and I'm like, how is this guy alive? It doesn't make any sense. Well, when I went and watched it, this guy just had insane luck. And I also was shooting a little too high because the top of the head has a higher ricochet chance. And it just, that's just how it went. So I think that, yes, the debate will continue. It can feel like you always get headshot. Uh, for me personally, scabs have gotten so aggressive and so accurate that with shotguns and pistols and all that, that I got killed before I was using face shields this wipe so many times by just getting headshot by scabs that I always think they're worth it. But I've also been headshot and ricocheted high tier ammo this wipe that I later took off the PMC after I killed him. And I say, if you can afford it, wear a helmet. If you can afford it, wear a face shield. I can tell you that it's saved me millions of rubles of gear already this wipe. And I've probably spent half a million on face shields alone, but they've saved me millions on gear and probably close to millions on ammo too. So I think it's super important. I really do. Yeah, let's talk about that in Discord. So this week, leave us some episode feedback. I'd like to hear about face shields, what your opinion is, what your experience has been with them. Let's talk about it in Discord and see kind of how everyone in the community has been dealing with this. Because I'm super curious myself because I've noticed very random things. So I can't say that I've played enough where I can swear by them or I can swear them off. It's just kind of I'm in the middle and it's been really interesting. One final point, though, is I play Factory a lot. If you can afford it, I highly recommend it on Factory. If you're in there farming, if you're in there trying to kill scabs and get loot, I just think it's necessary. I mean, how many times have we played in the last week that we both had face shields and we both had cracked face shields uh, that we took into multiple raids? I mean, I know specifically we went into like three raids back to back, both of us that survived cracked face shields. Yes, absolutely. Factory is a great example because... You're in close quarter scavs repeatedly and they spawn and they come at you and you just don't have a lot of time in between. And the face shield there is a great example of how to survive kind of a situational experience with scavs. Now, the flip side of that I've noticed is that having a face shield that is kind of cloudy on a big open map can affect my ability to spot other players at a distance. So I, it, it goes both ways. It just depends upon what you're doing. And so again, it'd be great to let's talk about this in the community. I think it'd be a good conversation. So yeah. episode feedback, that's your homework for this week. Awesome. Yeah. And I think 
to back to the point of the uh, post from Nikita, it's cool that they're working on the ballistics of objects. They mentioned penetration, ricochet chance, and colliders, and I think that's good. I think they're looking at all of the things that bullets can hit, go through, and bounce off of, and I think that's going to be great. And colliders, to me, says hitbox, so I think that's really good, because sometimes it's like, how, how was that desync? Did that guy hit me from some weird angle? I don't know. So I think it's great that they're looking at all of this. The funny part is, and I don't know exactly how this is going to come up, but as we were talking about factory for just a second there and talking about farming scabs, they also mentioned that they're bringing in the first iteration of scav karma, and it hasn't been discussed since we've started playing except for by players. I haven't heard them talk about it in the last year, but we heard about it from almost every creator that we interviewed on the podcast that karma was something they were interested in and now it just shows up randomly in a document after over a year of not being talked about so super interested in what this is going to mean you have no idea what this is actually going to be when it's implemented but it does seem like an interesting idea to have some way to measure like how you are as a scav it's going to be interesting to see what what this actually is yeah on on reddit one of the top posts on this particular post from Nikita was somebody saying, and I don't have the credit for it, but they were talking about how something needs to be done about scav on scav violence. In my mind, it's going to be a karma system where if you're a scav and you kill other scavs, I don't know if it's going to be some sort of like, you know, bar or or reputation or what, where if, you know, if you get too bad on scav karma, every scav shooting you on sight, I don't know. Again, if it makes interesting decisions in the game and it's, you know, we can perceive it as we're there. Yeah, there is no way to really cooperate with another player in-game. You know, there's no in-game VoIP, really. There's just the meme system or whatever, the in-game shout-at-somebody system. You know, use at your own peril. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on this because I don't know what it is yet. (laughs) But the next point on the list of things to talk about tonight, I have a huge opinion on. This is the Shoreline quest, possibly, as the first story quest. And I can't wait to see how this works. I don't know exactly what this means. I have no idea. But if they do a story quest for either your PMC, like as your own personal story, or if there's quests that take you through the maps, like Shoreline or like Customs or whatever, like Woods, where you have to do specific things that help you to have some kind of investment in what the map is or what it represents and takes you to different places in the map more than just the kind of the randomness of the questing system now. I really think this could be super engaging for every playstyle, right? Because every area of the map could have some meaning. That just makes the game more immersive. So definitely something they're going to have to address if they want to make the game persistent. And it would be consistent with going down the route to having a persistent mode in Tarkov. I have a different take on this. I like everything you're saying. I really do. I, I And I agree with it. When I first read this, I was immediately thinking about, again, I probably read too much into the words Nikita types, but I read into them heavily. So this is the first storyline quest they're working on. And I was sitting there thinking about that, like there are quest lines, right? There's Cargo X, there's, you know, healthcare privacy, there's multi-layered tasks that are progression based, and that's a storyline quest. So my mind went to, wait a minute, is this going to be like an offline quest, like a storyline, like you aren't going to be on a PvP enabled map? Is this PvE or is this something that is a much longer task 
that's progression based and maybe it's going to be just a tremendous amount of quests like they have stories they have storyline quests they have multi-part story driven quests already so saying this is the first of its kind was very very interesting to me so what you're saying is maybe this could be like a single player mode which i think that would be amazing as well i mean that could be a total pve experience and it doesn't diminish the pvp experience at all to have something like that because you want people who maybe are intimidated by pvp to get better so that the pvp is more competitive right i think that sounds exciting too and whether or not what i said originally or this type of situation is what it ends up being i don't see how they can go wrong with either one of these honestly yeah and i i think it's really easy to take this back to comparing it to pvp but i'll take the other side of that coin as somebody who loves pvp in fps games and i've played a lot of call of duties in the past not so much recently but all of those games or most of them have story modes and i've never done them i don't care i've never cared enough to do them in a call of duty i would definitely check it out in tarkov <laughs> or or maybe i would do it once and not do it again but it doesn't hurt anything about what I like about Call of Duties or the games I've played in the past that had a story or offline mode. Just not my cup of tea, but it's not a negative thing. And oftentimes you could level up in those. You could do things in those modes or get experience and just not something I care about. So I'm really curious what they mean by this because in my opinion, they already had storyline quests. So to say that they're working on the first one suggests something different entirely than what we have in the game already. And to me, that says either, you know, offline mode or I, I don't know. I don't know what it means. I'm curious what it means. I really like the concept that you can get to the end game through PvP or through a storyline PvE or something. And it gets you to the same place with the same availability of gear and money and economy. And it allows you to have end game PvP on the same playing level. Yeah. I just think that that is a better experience for everybody to at least have a starting point that's the same. And I think most PvPers really they want it they want you to bring whatever your best is to the game, right? I mean you want you want to like you you want to have an experience where you're bringing your best, I'm bringing my best and you beat me because it's just a skill thing or whatever. You don't beat me because you've got class 6 and I have a class 2 and there's just no way that I could even have a chance of winning. At some point, you can dumpster all over people, but that gets boring and you're going to move on to something else because it really isn't that challenging. And if there was a way for all playstyles to get to the point where they had availability and economy to be at a level playing field, I just think the game doesn't suffer in that situation yeah. in any way. Yeah, I agree. Because when you're saying it's available and it's an alternate path, I agree with that because... I don't really care how somebody gets to the point of having fair PvP, but I think that's what a lot of people are after is a skill-based PvP system in whatever game it is. And whether you get to endgame in PvP or PvE or they're different paths entirely is fine. You know, I played seasons of WoW where grinding PvP to get the weapon was the fastest way to get an endgame weapon for raiding, you know, and so people would go back and forth doing these things based on what's the most effective. And that's, you know, I was, I've been a meta gamer in the past. I still am somewhat, but that's not everybody. And so I think the availability is key here because you're not saying like, hey, there should be an offline mode that should get you there as fast, right? You're not saying, hey, there's a PVE mode 
that should get me to end game PvP as fast as somebody who's PvPing. No, that's not what you're saying. You're just saying that there should be an alternate lane that you can go down that gets you there at some point that it's available to you to progress that way. We've seen that in the tasking system, and they're adding tasks and different way to get find and raid stuff. So in theory, they may be working on a way to move around some things in a different way as far as tasking goes, whether you like PvP or not. Maybe we're completely wrong on it, but a lot of this stuff seems to look towards persistence and looking towards making things more dynamic and persistent and staying in the game. That would be a piece that would lend itself towards that as well. 100% agree. And we have to finish up tonight on honestly one of the most exciting news and feature expansions for a map that you and I are just excited about is Factory. I just can't wait for this. I can't wait for them. Put raiders there, put a boss there. We're going to go shoot them and I can't wait. It's going to be great. (laughs) Reading that the Factory expansion is on the way, but the Factory boss is also on the way. Man, I don't care when this comes. It's going to be exciting. I mentioned it earlier, right? And you talked about it on Interchange. You used what was happening to do something different. We didn't know that the fuel shortage was going to happen, but you perceived it and you changed it up and you used it as an opportunity to learn the middle of the map. Brilliant. Great. Well, now we know something is coming and that they're working on it. We don't know what the new map's going to look like, but it is an expansion, right? Which means that it will be attached to the current iteration of Factory in some way, shape, or form. There are doors that are already on Factory that some are only openable by scabs right now. Some of them are not able to be opened. So you can have some idea of how they may expand it, or they may do something and blow up a side of it and and expand it. But the reason I talked about that before, and the reason I want to circle back to it now is knowing this is on the way, knowing that when it releases, Factory is going to be nuts. Every single person is going to check this out. Or the people that are terrified of Factory won't go there. But the pattern has been when they do an expansion or change a map around, they usually make it worth your while to do it and to learn it. You know, the new sections on Woods have a ton of loot. The new sections on Customs have a ton of loot. If you know the new Extract and the tunnels on Reserve, the bunkers and the new system down there, great loot down there, new Extract, all of it, if you know it and you knew it before, you can take advantage of it. So again, the timing lines up really well with what we've been doing on YouTube. We've been releasing factory guides. We've got a couple actual playstyle guides, spawn guides, and we don't know if these are going to stick, but I do think based on what Ronald was talking about before and now, there's no better time to learn this map. And if you know what's there now, it makes it a lot easier to have that familiarity when new stuff comes out. I'm going to tell you about something I failed at. I failed at learning woods really well before they expanded it. I was not expecting the wipe. I wasn't expecting the woods expansion to happen that quickly. And I am not very good at woods. I do my tasks there and I get off of the map. And because of that, I had some very, very challenging raids this wipe before we had all the great maps that are out there now trying to figure out where the heck I was. And I didn't have enough familiarity on the map to know when I crossed over from the new area to the old area to recognize those landmarks and to reorient myself the right way. While Factory is small right now, we don't know how big it's going to get expanded to. I would encourage anybody that thinks they will go check out a new boss and a new factory to dig in right now and learn this map. I'm going to spend a tremendous amount of time doing that because it's already my favorite map. 
and to be able to use that knowledge to my advantage uh, going forward into an expansion is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. And if you want to get better at PvP, you will die a lot, but Factory is the place to do it. It gets sweaty, it gets just crazy, and it is the place to learn close quarters PvP. And I have died a lot. Uh, it's just in this journey, I have died a lot, but I was able to clear the lobby really for the first time and own the map and start farming scavs on my own. And that's just an awesome feeling to be able to do that, to get to the point where I've died, you know, a million times, but I finally got that one time where it worked out and I was able to do that. So if you're like me and you're getting better at close quarters PvP, I encourage you to just stick with Factory and stick with learning it and you will get better at every other map because the things that I've gotten better at on Factory translate to every other map that I've been playing, whether it's in resort, whether it's in dorms, whether it's anywhere else, it's been easier on every other map. So I'm excited about the Factory expansion and just a word of encouragement to go there if you maybe have been afraid to go there in the past. I would echo that. I mean, as somebody who loves Factory and likes to take people into Factory, I recognize and understand just how challenging the map can be, especially going in solo or with people that aren't super experienced on the map. I get that. It is a sound-driven map. There's a bunch of surfaces that make different sounds, and people that know it well know what all those sounds mean. And the good news is there's not a ton of surface area to cover in Factory, but it's an angle-heavy map, and it's a smaller map, and you know that when you spawn in, there's four other people that are going to be very close to you. It, you know, sprinting from one side of the map to the other takes like 20 seconds. You know, it just doesn't take very long. So, you know, if you, if you want to avoid people, Factory is not an easy place to do it. It's possible, but it's not easy. So from a PvP standpoint, it's a great way to get better quickly. But I think having, uh, you know, whether you do a scav run and take that gear in and then take that into Factory to minimize your uh, ruble expense, or you gear up and go in. Just know there's those of us out there that play a lot of factory and <laughs> I seek out PVP and, and I farm there. So you'll run into that, but I wouldn't let that discourage you. I would just have a plan for it because just the news of this, I've already seen an increase in the teams coming on. Earlier today, I ran into a uh, four man team that I got three of, but the fourth got me and they were all over level 40, presumably. The three that I got were. I think you're going to see a lot more people learning it. They're going to be learning it in teams because I think you should be. I think you should be getting ready for a factory boss and people are going to do that as a team. Uh, there'll be those of us that do it solo. I'll play a lot of solo factory when it gets expanded on, but you'll see a lot of teams there as well. So just know it's going to be a hard map to learn right now, but I think it will be worth your time investment right now to learn it while it's still small or relatively small compared to what it will be. So uh, look for more guides from us on factory. I just this I'm so excited for this man. I I'm, I'm like lost in thought on what to even say about it other than I can't wait. Me too. I'm in the exact same uh, headspace on this one. It's going to be great. But I don't know about you. I'm starting to see the green bar flash, which means that we are moments away from disappearing. But before that happens, if you're brand new, just want to say thank you. Thank you for checking out the show. We know that there have been many, many new people checking out the show in the last month since the wipe has started. Welcome to the XFIL community. If you have not already joined Discord, we encourage you to join Discord. You can find it in the show notes for whichever podcast app you're listening to the show on, or if you're on YouTube, 
You can find it in the show description for YouTube. Join Discord. There's an active community of people that have all different playstyles. It's not just one playstyle over another. There's plenty of people playing every single night. We have many voice channels that are going in teams of people. The LFG channels are rocking every single night. And there's plenty of people available to play that love the game and just love hanging out and talking with other people that enjoy Tarkov. But besides that, the one thing we ask you to do is if you can leave us some feedback or leave us a review on whatever platform that you're listening to or watching on, that would be on Apple specifically, a five-star review. If we've earned a five-star review, please leave that on Apple. It helps rank the show in the Apple podcast world. If you're on YouTube, please click the like button and subscribe to the channel so you can catch the factory guides that Trigger was talking about and see the talk show version of the show on YouTube. And if you're on any other platform, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, whatever, if there is a way to give feedback on the show that's positive, if we've earned that from you, please do that. It really goes a long way to having the show get presented to more people and it just makes the community bigger and that makes everything better and that's why we're doing this. So that's about it for this week. So as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We hope that you have a great week with all of your aids and whatever you're trying to do, whatever phase of the wife you're in. I hope it goes well for you and we'll catch you next week on the next show. See everybody. Thank you. Thank you.